Good morning, man. It's good to see you all. It's this is um, early for some of you. This is the 10 a.m. service. Just checking that you all meant to come to 10 a.m. This is like the fullest that we've seen it at this early. So it's great to see you guys. Feels like a reunion every week that we're here. And oh, I just love to see your faces. So my name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And uh, like was mentioned, Drew is on his uh, spring break week with his family, and so we get to continue on in our series today on the I Am Statements of Jesus. So if you're familiar, you might know that in John, the book of John, the Gospel of John, seven times Jesus makes an I Am statement. And that I Am word, um, like Drew has mentioned, is really kind of hearkening back to the Old Testament with the, the word for the name for God, Yahweh, which is a holy, sacred name, Yahweh, I am. When they asked who God was, he said, I am, I just am, and that is Yahweh. And so Jesus then, in the book of John, seven different times, he says, I am. So he's basically saying, I am Yahweh, I am the God that you have been waiting for, the Messiah, I am. And then he goes on to describe seven different things that he is saying he is. Two weeks ago, we started with, I am the bread of life. I am your sustenance. And of course, that would remind his, his uh, listeners, you know, the manna in the desert, the daily bread that they prayed for. He is the, the daily bread, the sustenance, the bread of life. I am. And then he, um, last week in John chapter 6, while healing a blind man, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That we can live in reality, as Drew said. We can live in the light. We can live in this hope that we don't have to stumble around in the darkness, that we don't have to be people who live in an unreality, in a state of not knowing uh, truth from untruth, but to be honest, to be real, to be congruent in ourselves, to be aligned. And so I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And today, as you can see, we get to go through, I am the good shepherd, Now, bread, we know, okay, Jesus is the bread of life. We can understand bread. We eat bread. Um, In New York, the bagels. You know, we, we know bread. But I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. We know light and darkness. We know, Drew, speaking of reality, living in that truth. But shepherds and sheep, we don't, we're not as familiar with. I don't know, the last time I've seen a shepherd or a sheep in New York City. And it's not really this, we don't have this concept of, what, what is Jesus meaning when he's saying he's a shepherd? Like, that's not in our normal repertoire of understanding. But the people that he would have been speaking to, they were in Israel in an agrarian society, a pastoral society where rural wilderness, um, kind of this landscape of sheep and shepherding being the, the most common of the, um, the markets that they had. And so they really understood what it meant to be that dependent on the land. And they knew what it was to have these animals that were kind of their source of life. And so if Jesus was comparing himself to kind of common things, like he knew how to connect with his listeners, he was a great preacher, he knew how to say the things that would connect with them the most, that they would understand images of their day that they were most familiar with. And so I believe if he was here among us today in New York City, he would have given some urban examples, maybe some tech and modern kind of examples. 
So I was trying to think like, okay, what would be one that Jesus would have used to compare himself to, to give us this picture of who he is? And this is cheesy, but I was thinking he might say something like, I am the phone charger. I am this source of power, this like thing that you need or everything else goes dead, right? Like I am that thing that is your source and that that gives you and gives the things that you need, gives them life. So otherwise you would be completely dead. I am the electrical outlet. So he's giving this picture that would relate, that his audience would relate to. And so in order to understand for us today in our very, very different society than where Jesus was then, in order for us to understand this metaphor, this imagery of him being a good shepherd, we would need to first know a few things about sheep and about shepherds. Have any of you spent any time with sheep or with shepherds? Maybe? Oh, yes, our Kenyans, of course. Yeah, I know. Maybe you should come up here and tell us a little bit about sheep. Um, I actually got to spend a couple of days on a sheep farm in New Zealand when I was um, in college. I spent a semester abroad in New Zealand. There are 10 times as many sheep in New Zealand as people. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, we ate sheep mutton every single day that semester, and I will never touch it again. Um, but a few things that I've learned and read about, about sheep, if you don't know. Sheep are one of the most frail and weak and dependent animals that they are. They can only be domesticated because they cannot survive in the wild. They absolutely are needy, dependent. They're very, very vulnerable. They cannot take care of themselves. If they lay down in kind of a rut and roll over and their wool is too thick or something, they cannot right themselves. They cannot get themselves up. They need a human to help them up. There's no other way. They will die. They are also very timid and very helpless. They are frightened by the smallest thing. They are incredibly um, easy prey. They run away easily. They are uh, very susceptible to all kinds of harm from any other kind of animal, basically, like every other kind of animal. And even to um, gnats, like a whole, fl- uh, a whole flock could be wiped out by just an insect infestation because, again, they cannot take care of themselves. They are very, very defenseless. Um, they're also one of the dumbest animals. <laughs> they, are, they have very just like instinct-driven, habit kind of oriented. They follow the rest of the flock. There's kind of... Yeah, you guys are nodding your heads. I'm glad I'm not too far off. Yeah, they are just dumb. They they really literally have very, very small brains. And so they can't really be trained. They basically just kind of follow along and do what they're told to do and kind of have to just be like herded and, you know, put in pens, hence the the pen kind of um, language here. And they're just easily taken advantage of. They are taken advantage of by thieves and robbers, and they can be stolen very easily. They can be, like, rustled up and sent running wild easily. Um, They can be uh, just deceived very easily. And so those are just some of the things about sheep. And now, what does it mean to shepherd this kind of unruly, weak, and wimpy kind of flock? So, again, the, the shepherd is the only way that a sheep stays alive. There is 
such a great need of the shepherd. Again, they are only domesticated because they cannot live on their own. They can't, they're no, there is no wild sheep. There is no such thing as like a lone ranger sheep. They can only live in a flock and they can only live under the care of a shepherd. And so it is entirely dependent upon the shepherd to help the sheep be able to survive, to be able to thrive, to be able to rest, to be healthy, to be productive even. And a sheep will know its shepherd's voice. That is how they can be guided. That is how they are uh, corralled and how they are led is the sheep actually have the ability, even though they're tiny little brains, they have the ability to learn their shepherd's voice. And that is the way that they are led. And so a good shepherd would recognize his sheep's face, faces. I saw this actually, um, you know, a huge flock, but he actually knew them by name and he could point out, I mean, they all looked the same to me, but they know them. And you ask them like, how do you know who's who? How do you know which is which? And they'll say like, oh, you just look at their faces. You just look into their faces and you know. Is this true? Yeah. And so they know them by face and the sheep know their shepherds by their voices. And so the good shepherd would then know each one individually. These sheep that the shepherd is entirely responsible for, they need an incredible amount of protection and provision And again, it's entirely up to the shepherd for that. Shepherding is incredibly hard work. Very, very strenuous, very time-consuming, very like all-encompassing. Shepherding is this intense, hard, sacrificial, lack of sleep, lots of care needed kind of work. And there is a really, really big difference between good shepherds who take care of their flocks and bad shepherds who are just kind of letting them exist. So a good shepherd is the one who is most caring and in diligent in caring for them, most hands-on and intentional and in looking over their flock day and night. Some shepherds are even known to like sleep with the sheep and that they become kind of the door to the pen of their sheep so that no one can escape and no one can come in. This shepherd kind of acts like this, this, this door to the pen of the sheep where they are. But a bad shepherd would be one that lets the sheep fend for themselves, who just kind of lets them roam, who doesn't take care of the grass that they're eating even, that just kind of doesn't care for the soil or the, um, the ground. And, and the, se- the sheep end up sick and weak and frail and covered in gnats and their wool becomes gross and not able to be used. And so these bad shepherds, they're common as well, but there is a huge difference in the flock based on whether they have a good shepherd or a bad shepherd. And there's plenty of fake shepherds out there and and strangers and people who would try to come in and get the flock to do what they want them to do, but the flock only knows their shepherd's voice. And so Jesus is saying here, I am a very good shepherd. I want you to know, when you see bad shepherds, that's not who I am. I am a very, very good shepherd. Let's read John 10 again with some of those imageries of the good shepherd, with some of the 
the false shepherds in mind and with just that picture of what the sheep and um, the shepherds are like. So Jesus said, I tell you for certain that only thieves and robbers climb over the fence instead of going in through the gate to the sheep pen. But the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and he goes in through it. The sheep know their shepherd's voice. He calls each of them by name and leads them out. When he has led out all of his sheep, he walks in front of them and they follow because they know his voice. The sheep will not follow strangers. They don't recognize a stranger's voice and they run away. Jesus told the people this story, but they did not understand what he was talking about. Jesus said, I tell you for certain that I am the gate for the sheep. So this is one of the I am statements. We'll briefly just look at that, that I am the gate for the sheep, the the door, the one that lays across the pen and is the one that would let anything in or anything out. I am the gate, the door for the sheep. Everyone who came before me was a thief or a robber. That's just how it is. It's not, there is only one shepherd and the sheep did not listen to any of them, but I am the gate. All who come in through me will be saved. Through me, they will come and go and find pasture. A thief comes only to rob kill and destroy. I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. Those sheep can only have life and thrive and have abundance if the shepherd is intentionally caring for them. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives up his life for his sheep. Hired workers are not like the shepherd. They don't own the sheep and when they see a wolf coming, they run off and leave the sheep. Then the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. Hired workers run away because they don't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I give up my life for the sheep. So we know probably in our, even personally, but we know in the culture that we live in, we know a lot of potentially, of examples of bad shepherds. We know fake shepherds. We know some of these thieves and robbers that he's talking about, abusive leaders, toxic environments that are created by by poor leadership who came only to steal and kill and destroy. Maybe even church leaders who are driven by fame or money or power. Or in any industry, we know some of these leaders, some of these shepherds over flocks who have done it in terrible ways, in harmful ways. Another word for shepherd, as you might know, is pastor. Another way of saying shepherding is pastoring, the pastoral agrarian society. And I know I have been incredibly sobered. I mean, this is all the time, you know, many, many years, um, we can hear stories of pastors who have failed their flock, and it is heartbreaking. It is incredibly, um, it's awful. And if you have ever been in a setting like that, where you have been under a bad shepherd, my heart goes out to you, and I know that that is very, very difficult. And so we know leaders in every different kind of field that have wrecked their own lives as they've wrecked others by 
drawing after power, after the kind of leadership that is just hungry for their own prestige or their own platforms. We know what it looks like to see people who take advantage of weak, who chase their own glory, who are kind of leaving a mess behind them in the way. And Jesus says, I am not like that. I am not like those shepherds. I am not a bad shepherd. I am a very, very good shepherd. The issue isn't whether or not Jesus is a good shepherd, good enough shepherd. The issue is actually sometimes more that we don't like to be shepherded. We don't like to be sheep. We don't like to remember those descriptions of the sheep. It's really hard to understand to know a shepherd if we ourselves are pretty resistant to being the sheep. It's hard to be shepherded. We'd rather be anything but sheep, kind of the opposite of sheep, right, is what we are told to be, wanting to be. We want to be competent and skilled and not weak and needy. We want to be independent, not dependent. We want to be strong and not weak. We want to be smart and not dumb. We want to produce and perform and perfect and not just kind of exist. And we want to have so much to offer. We want to be influential. And all those descriptions of a sheep are kind of the opposite of that. So do you feel like you have that drive in you of, man, I'm resisting wanting to be like those sheep, weak and frail and weary and dependent? I know I, know I have that drive in me, that I don't want to be a sheep. My mantra, I would say, growing up, accidentally, I didn't realize this until later, my unintentional mantra growing up in Southern California was look good, be good, do good. This was not intentional, not something that was ever really told to me, but this is kind of what I lived under, whether it was kind of from myself or from around me, but look good. I lived in the Southern California, Orange County kind of glitz and glamour of all of that, Orange County moms. And yeah, the look good was a very strong pull. Of course, I didn't realize it until later, but this, this uh, mantra, this drive to be, to look good physically, to appear good on the outside, look good, look good, look good, kind of this march of like, look good, the vanity on the outside, be good. I grew up in a church culture, maybe like many of you, where it was very stressed, you know, be good, be a good girl. In fact, I remember and, you know, love my mother, but I remember the last thing she would say to me every time we would get out from the car, going somewhere, going to school, wherever, her words were, be good. Anybody else? Be good, be good. So that became, you know, of course, I was a good good little girl, but it was this heavy drive kind of, are you agreeing? Yes. Be good, be good. And so I had that kind of marching beat. Look good, be good, do good, do your best, do excellently. So I'm the oldest child, 
had a lot of perfectionist kind of things, just high expectations. So do good, do well, do what is important, do what matters. I went into ministry at a young age. I was always, you know, in some kind of leadership with other people. Do good, do your best, do excellent, perfect, perfect, produce, perform, perfect. And I am guessing I'm not wrong that many of us who live in New York City are here with some of the same kind of mantras running through our heads. The mantra of our city, I would say, is even like, seek power, seek prestige, seek platforms, seek influence, do your best, be perfect, don't show your frailties and your failures. If you get knocked down, get right back up again, unlike the sheep, remember, who can't even right themselves when they roll over a funny way. So the problem, again, is not that we don't have a good shepherd, it's that we run from being Sheep, so it's hard to experience Jesus as our shepherd. So here's the thing. I know many of you. I know you are highly competent, skilled, hard workers. Many of you, if you're not already, are kind of in line to become leaders, to become people, CEOs, doctors, lawyers, people in various professions who are extremely skilled and competent leaders. We are a people who are hardwired for excellence, for strength, and for being independent. And some of you might even be on the way, if you're not already, to being shepherds of people yourselves. And yet we don't look much like sheep right now. We run from that. It's uncomfortable, again, to be weak and needy and feel so dependent. We want to say, like, we got this. Until the day when we walk through that dark valley, until we come face to face with a failure or with a limitation that won't go away, a sickness or a weakness that we have no control over. Until we realize that there are things that we just can't get better at or we can't make better. Until those wilderness times when we realize that there is a lot more weakness and weariness and wandering in our souls than we thought. And we don't realize how much, until then, how much we need our shepherd. Again, we've seen those countless stories of people in leadership, bad shepherds, who fall, who are driven to power and prestige, and it only leads them to blow up their lives and maybe the lives of others too. And they leave a wake of scandal and moral failure and toxic environments behind them. Again, this is not how Jesus does it. This is not how Jesus leads us as, his shepherd, as, as our shepherd. And this is not what he wants for us. He wants us and he tends to our souls as a shepherd so we don't blow up our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. May it be so. Are you tired of not being allowed to be human, to be frail, to be a sheep, to be weak? Are you tired of that drive for performance and perfection, for producing? Are you tired of resisting the good shepherd? 
tired of trying to be independent and do it on your own and denying your sheepness and your weakness. The way, the way of power of Jesus, the way of leadership of Jesus, the way is weakness. The way is through weakness. Your strength is in your surrender. Your strength is in your surrender. You might remember that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he started saying these I am statements, he was walking down to the river to John the Baptist who would baptize him. And John the Baptist looks up at him, and what does John say? He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Before Jesus ever called himself the good shepherd, he was called the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So not only is Jesus a very, very good shepherd, but he is also a lamb. He is the picture of weakness, of sacrifice, of gentleness, of tenderness. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, who lays across the door of the sheep pen. In the Old Testament, we know that lambs were, of course, used for the temple sacrifice, who were the the sacrifice, the bloodshed for the sin of the people. And so we could say, kind of to use the language of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, we could say the lamb is my shepherd. The lamb of God is my shepherd. Jesus is not only a good shepherd, he shows us the way to be a sheep. He shows us how to be a lamb, the way of weakness. Because there is a way to have power, but it's a very, very different kind of power. There is a way to be a leader, to shepherd people. It's a very different lamb-like kind of shepherding. There is a way to be in positions of authority, but it's a very different kind of authority. Jesus' way. There's a way to be skilled, to be competent, to be people high in our fields and successful, but it's a different kind of success. The way of Jesus' shepherding is as a lamb. It's gentle and sacrificial and slow and servant-hearted. And so for us, this begins for us in that place of surrender with the ability to embrace our weaknesses, to admit our limitations, a willingness to be vulnerable, to confess honestly our sin, our struggle, to not have to put up this fake veneer of look good, be good, do good, but to be very honest with ourselves and with others, to be real. And Drew talked about this last week, a hope that hope is a place where we can be sheep, where we can be vulnerable and honest and real and know that we are all weak sheep and we are all also people that desire to lead and to shepherd, to 
be strong, to have a Jesus kind of power. And we know that our temptations could be toward the ways of the world that could land us, I'm just very sobered, it could land us in places of wrecking our lives. And this is not out of fear or out of shame or anything, but I'm just more and more aware that the temptations toward power and prestige and, and producing and performing, that those really can lead us into false lives, false identities, and that is not who Jesus is as our good shepherd, that he, he would have for us so much more as shepherds and as sheep. And so our invitation today is really to just ask, Lord, would you allow me to let you shepherd me? We are, again, resistant people sometimes. We're seeking, we're driven by these different things that Jesus says, yes, and there's another way. There's a way to leadership, a way to power, a way to influence that is my way as the good shepherd. And so as the worship team starts to come back, the question is, how is Jesus inviting you to let him shepherd you? What would be his question to you? How can I shepherd you today? And you can have full permission to be a sheep, to be admitting of weaknesses and failures and frailties, of temptations towards the things that we are otherwise so driven and run toward. And I'll just take us, as we go into this final song, I'll take us into Psalm 23. And this could be something that is just read over you as a, as a prayer, as a, a blessing. And picture yourself as this sheep in Psalm 23 is talking about the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you have what you need. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you can rest. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you can trust. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you can surrender. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you can be weak. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you matter much. Because the Lord is your shepherd, he knows your name. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you know his voice. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you can have 
life. Let's sing this final song together as we continue to meditate on this invitation to be shepherded by the Lord.